And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful. I have a bad feeling about this. What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? It's the good, the bad, and the what? Lost your train of thought, didn't I? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The What, the show in which we dissect what makes a movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I'm Ryan Oliver. And I'm Chris Thomas. Chris, how are you doing this evening? I'm I'm doing good. Uh, I'm hope that I'm also doing good by the end of this recording. <laughs> well, we will see. Uh, we'll see how it goes, um, and we'll just dive into it because you teased it at the end of last episode, and I, I hopefully I get the title of this correctly. It's uh, it's like family Bigfoot movies. <laughs> is yeah. is the, the 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 binding thread of these three. I still don't have a title for the episode. We might have to just discover it organically over the course of our discussion. Much like Bigfoot. That's, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeking uh, desperately for the title of this episode. But, um, yeah, I mean, as you've probably picked up if you've been reading uh, or, or listening to uh, any of our episodes in the past is... I like the cryptid and weird stuff. Uh, I've done the alien abduction episode. This is not the only Bigfoot episode we're going to do. I have at least two others that are uh, in that form that we have. Um, but yeah, this was something that was of interest after recently the Scarecrow Video Psychotronic Challenge had an episode in it that was um, non-US based Bigfoot movies uh, for which we watched one of the picks today. Um, and then that got me thinking about like, this was definitely a thing I, I know of at least two others. So then I just kind of half baked came up with the episode and then over the course of watching the three movies they kind of fell into the place of where they're going to be in good bad what although i think in in today's episode what we're really going to be talking about is good bad worse um (laughs) but we can talk about that context when we get to it um unless you have anything that you wanted to add there up front uh, i'll probably just get into the picks no i don't go go right into it (laughs) so the good today is going to be harry and the hendersons from 1987 directed by william deer uh the bad is going to be little bigfoot directed by 19 uh (laughs) directed by 1987 directed by 1997 (laughs) the entire year um the bad is going to be little bigfoot from 1997 directed by art camacho and the what will be to catch a yeti from 1995, directed by Bob Keane. Um, I, I, like I said in the context of this episode, uh, you know, ET was huge uh, when it came out. Uh, you know, crushed the box office, and then as most big box office crushers tend to do, here came the cavalcade of copiers, uh, all trying to sort of uh, capture that spark um, before it died in the imagination of the public. Um, of course, Bigfoot was also big in the public's mind at this time. Uh, I mean, following the the famous Patterson Gimlin tape from 1967, uh, there was a, a you know rash of sightings, mostly in the Pacific Northwest and surprisingly fucking Ohio. Uh, I was doing like a little bit of research before this. There's a bunch of Bigfoot sightings in the Ohio area. So I, I... have you been to Ohio in the winter, Chris? There's nothing to do. <laughs> 
I'm sure somebody thought they saw a Bigfoot at some point. Yeah, some some really hairy dude with his shirt off uh, went out to get the paper and, you know, Bigfoot sightings all over Ohio. In but, that negative seven degree <laughs> weather. He's a very, very hairy man. Um, but, the you know, it stayed in the imagination, so then it just sort of made sense. We're like, well, they've done aliens. What if we rip off the, the same concept but make it a Bigfoot? And that's sort of what we have today uh, to varying degrees of success. Um, Ryan, do you have any thoughts about these three picks before we get into our, our good? <laughs> I don't really know. I mean, even though a Pacific Northwest uh, born and raised person, right. like Bigfoot's never, I, I don't know, I've never been a big, like, oh my God, like Bigfoot, other than there used to be a cafe a restaurant in Seaside, Oregon, that I really liked, mm. called Bigfoots, and they had like all kinds of Bigfoot paraphernalia and shit oh, on cool. the wall. That was super cool. Uh, R.I.P. It's since closed down. I don't think it exists anymore, sadly. But uh, yeah, but no, I don't really have like a, a huge uh, amount of thoughts uh, really until we get into the movies themselves. Cool. Yeah, that's totally fine. I I loved. I was fascinated with Bigfoot when I was a kid, but of course, as I grew up, I was like, "This fuck stupid." Uh, but I, I've always same thing with uh, a lot of my favorite cryptids are like I don't actually believe in their existence. However, it's they're fun to yeah. sort of toy with. Um, and I think in terms of the three movies today, uh, we will definitely do a Bigfoot horror movie uh, episode later. I've got some picks for that. But in this one, I, uh, I like the concept of Bigfoot being just a good, big, lovable oaf. Um, which really just brings us to the good, uh, which is Harry and the Hendersons. For ages, he is hidden in the forest. Eluded hunters baffled scientists and remained a mystery until the Hendersons bumped into him. What is it? It's a major discovery. We have to take it home. George. It's alive! It's eating my 15th birthday corsage! Uh Uh-oh. The average American family just got bigger. Harry and the Hendersons. So just a a crash course on the uh, synopsis for that movie. When returning from a family camping trip in the mountains outside of Seattle, avid game hunter George, played by John Lithgow, hits a Bigfoot with his car, presumably killing it. After taking it home to contemplate what to do next, the Bigfoot Harry wakes up and destroys the house. After considering shooting him in the face, George has a change of heart and decides to adopt Harry, who in turn teaches George that his trophy hunting might have been more cruel and destructive than he had considered. However, the persistent gamesman Jock is closing in on the biggest catch of his life, and Hendersons have to dodge the growing media presence and nosy neighbors in order to keep the legendary creature alive. Um, Ryan, I'll throw it to you. What did you think of Harry and the Hendersons? Uh, it's it's a it's a bit of an odd movie, but I think it's ultimately charming. Um, it, it's it's I mean we should know it's a it's an Amblin production, right? Mm-hmm. So this is you know speaking to ET, this is very very much hewing close to the ET slash Gremlins formula, um, where it's like here's here's a sort of uh, like here's an all wholesome American family who comes across this creature that's like mythical or odd. And then they have to kind of try to hide it from people. Um, and then people get a hold of it and things happen. So like specifically ET, but like a little bit of gremlins in there as well. Um, and this is a movie that like, I know a lot of people watch this movie when they were a kid of our generation loved it. 
Um, I, I think it's like definitely kind of a nostalgic movie and I'd be interested to get your thoughts there. Uh, I maybe watched it once. Um, and it was like during like band class where like the band conductor was out <laughs> sick and whenever the conductor was out sick that we would, uh, like just they would just, movie on? yeah, they just yeah. throw a movie on. And so I'm pretty sure once during school, and so you know class periods were 40 50 minutes so i i i could say i think i've seen 40 to 50 minutes of of uh, harry the hendersons prior to watching this um but i think what really struck me watching this and especially compared to our other two movies is how like some of the themes were like genuinely sincere and potentially ahead of their time too you know i'm definitely there's there's definitely environmentalism and, and conservationist messages and like, you know, the, uh, in, in there, but like, there's also a sort of like, um, uh, treaty on toxic masculinity. Like before that was even like a buzzword, you know, like a mm-hmm. big thing about John Lithgow's character. Like, yes, he's a big game hunter and he works, uh, at a, a gun shop in, in Ballard, which does not exist. Maybe <laughs> nope. Maybe it did once upon a time. There's gun maybe stores. Maybe in 1987. Maybe, sure. but not now. I mean, there's gun stores where I live in the fringes of Kings County because I live out mm-hmm. in the sticks. But um, that's another thing we should know. This is an actually actual Seattle set movie that was shot there. Uh, yeah. It's very clearly, which is nice because uh, you could always tell too. You're like, yep, that's Vancouver. Um, versus this was like, nope, that's Seattle. I see the mountain that I see when I wake up every morning. So that was really cool lots, to see. Lots of name drops too. I really liked, like, there's been a sighting in Queen Anne or like, yep. uh, when he calls the guy to come over, like, oh no, we live in Wallingford. And it was like, Hey, yep. like it was nice for them to actually like put it into the story. The house address is in IMDB. I might have to actually like go seek oh, it out shit. one of these days. Um, so okay. it was, yeah, it was really cool to see that. And like. The storefront for their gun store exists. Like I recognize that building, but it's not. Mm-hmm. A, it's not a firearm store. This no, <laughs> not, no. The not the Seattle proper. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but that was an interesting sort of like uh, asset where like uh, John Lethal's character is a big game hunter. His uh, getting back on track here. His dad. Uh, they own a shop that's like uh, 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 Henderson and Sons mm-hmm. uh, firearms. Um, and his dad is played by M. Emmett Walsh, which is a terrific. Uh, casting choice to play with guy's dad to be honest and um he asks him because so you know when when word gets out like you mentioned in the plot of this movie there's a media frenzy and now everyone's starting to try and buy firearm because they want to go try and hunt the bigfoot um, and so M.M. at Walsh wants um, John Lithgow to draw a picture of the Bigfoot to put on the storefront. And so he drew a terrific picture of what Harry actually looks like. Um, and uh, he's he's has like a heart to heart with uh, with his wife, um, who's played by I forget the actress's name, but from Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, whose son gets abducted. And a Christmas story. Yes. And a Christmas story. Yes. Very, very well known. So I, I, I don't have the IMDb up, sadly. Um, Nancy Henderson. Yes, thank you. Um, no, sorry, that's that's, that's her character's that's name. Character name. Melinda Dillon. Melinda Dillon, thank you. I was trying to remember her, her name. Melinda Dillon uh, from Close Encounters from Christmas Story. Having a heart-to-heart where he said, like, when he was a kid, he wanted to be an artist. He wanted to paint. And his dad thought that was really stupid and put a rifle in his hand and said, like, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta, you're going to hunt and whatnot. And so I found that, like, interesting of, like, this sort of, like, generational, especially because at the beginning of this movie, you mentioned it's a camping trip. Yes, but it's also a hunting trip because he's taking yeah. his son because uh, they shoot a rabbit out in the woods. And, um, you know, he's, like, teaching his son you know, to hunt at an early age. And then like, who's like ravenous about it too. At, at the First start. blood. Oh yeah, yeah. He's super like into it, but like, you know, but as it goes on and you know, Harry 
because when Harry comes to the house, he gets really upset because he sees the the uh, mounted uh, deer yeah. head and and Woodland elk creatures. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, because they they're trophy hunters, so they have that all over the the wall. And so he gets upset about all of that. And so it's like it sort of teaches them to be like, oh, you know, like maybe maybe this is not the right way to go. But those textures made it at least interesting uh, to me. Because outside of that, I mean. It's nice to see Lithgow. It's kind of wild in hindsight because when we were kids, like I mostly knew him from Third Rock from the Sun. So mm-hmm. like I didn't really think anything of it. But like going back, it's like this would be the time when he was in like Blowout and Raising Cane, mm-hmm. you know, a villain in the Palmer movies, cl- villain in Cliffhangers, villain in Ricochet. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, so it's, it, it is a little odd seeing him as like the, the family guy. But he, he does a good job like in the yeah. role for sure. I, I think everyone here is mostly uh pretty solid um but um but like outside of that it's just kind of a traditional like uh family movie like uh, you know there's some good textures to it but it's just like oh here's bigfoot doing silly bigfoot things and now we gotta hide it and um all that stuff but anyway i went on too long what are what are your thoughts and i guess do you have a history with this movie both just it being of our generation and also growing up in washington state uh, I mean, it didn't mean anything to me when I was a kid when I watched it. I, I I didn't watch it, like, a lot. This isn't one of the ones I owned on VHS. This is definitely, like, a rental mm-hmm. that I watched. And I remember thinking that Harry was funny. Yeah. Um, and that was really all that I remembered about the movie. And even going into this, the last time I watched the movie was when I was, like, a young kid. Um, but I just knew from having recently watching uh, To Catch a Yeti, um, I was like, well, it's not the bad, uh, and it's probably not the what. So I think it's a pretty safe bet, and I still think it is. I think it's mostly successful in what it's trying to do. I think it's maybe a little bit overly long, and a lot of the stuff that they could have maybe done to um, do some setups and payoffs, they didn't. They kind of fumbled it a little bit. Yes, um, because I, it, it's funny that it's almost a cross between ET and Poltergeist. In that, like, Harry is just fucking their house up. And that's, like, the whole thing is that, like, if you brought a Bigfoot home and it lived in your house, it would just be this destructive horse going through and and wrecking shit. And that's really where, like, 90% of the comedy attempts come from is Harry being a big doofus, not understanding his strength or, you know, not belonging in a suburb and, you know, breaking door jams and, and, and destroying the stairs as he walks up them and trying to sit and he goes through the floor into the basement, like that sort of situation. So the, that stuff gets kind of tired, uh, pretty quickly. Like, like we, we get it. Like we understand he's a, he's a giant animal and he's going to be the same as taking a bear home. It's going to fuck your house up. But I think sort of the emotional core there of seeing, um, seeing Lithia's character kind of come back around and finding like this kindred spirit in Harry and this better understanding of like his place in the world and like the sanctity of life. Like he, he doesn't quite like completely repent and be like, I'm going to be a vegetarian again for the rest of my life. Because like towards the end of the movie, they have, dinner where they made roast and then harry takes the roast out into the yard and buries it because that's what he does with everything that he finds is dead he'll just bury it out in the lawn um so like they're not complete it's not about like you know you need to become a vegan like that it's not that sort of a message it's not trying to ram anything down your throat but it's more or less like hey you know instead of just going out and shooting a whole bunch of animals and putting their heads all over the wall maybe you could think about like 
how precious that life is for a second. Like, because he was going to shoot, like I put in the synopsis, he was going to shoot Harry in the face. And then Harry gives him a look. And then he just kind of takes a moment to be like, I'm not going to shoot, like, maybe the only Sasquatch that exists. Like, right. That's that's insane to me. And then, like, from that little spark, it grows into him, like, having a better understanding for Harry and having a better understanding for wildlife in general and why he needs to care about it. And I was like, that... I mean, even if the rest of the movie is a little bit messy, it does, you know, kind of fumbles some things here and there, that core message works. Agreed. I think that, that's really the glue holding the movie together and what kept me going through it. Because I think that if I had to knock the movie in any way, it's like, for one, it's too long. It's almost two too hours long. long. And, and again, it's not that it's two hours. It just it doesn't fill its time well. So it's two mm-hmm. hours long, and it's pretty haphazardly constructed, <laughs> to be honest. Like, yeah. Um, it sort of just bounces from place to place in different subplots until they all sort of just, ah, here you go. Now they've all converged where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, they talked about calling the guy from the Bigfoot Museum who they bring over for dinner when he buries the roast. Um, but they bring that up. And I like by the time it actually happens in the movie, I'd completely forgotten that that was an option. <laughs> it was like 40, <laughs> 50 minutes later into the movie. I was like, oh, yeah, that was a subplot that was brought up, brought up. Mm-hmm. And that was also another against type. And, and forgive me, my computer is like uh, just struggling today. So I don't have the IMDb up and I forget the actor's name. But that guy, the doctor, it, it was another like good like reversal because uh, uh, from the Bigfoot Museum, because he's one of the two old rich men from uh trading places yes. so i like i've seen him in that my whole life so seeing him um in you know in a, in a kinder role much like lithgow here was uh, was interesting to see for sure yeah it's don uh amish i think is how you pronounce his yes, last name i think so um, yeah yeah i i the same thing when i saw the guy immediately was like ah trading places but yeah um <laughs> no i think you're right that they're the movie brings up a lot of ideas that I think are fun ideas or good ideas, and it just doesn't, like, really see them all out or, like I said, have setups and payoffs. Where, like, the nosy neighbor, who's, who's just like, oh, that becomes yeah. a thing where living in suburbia and all your neighbors want to know what you have going on, what if you had a Bigfoot in your house and you were trying to keep that secret? Like, that is a fun concept and a fun idea, but right. they don't really go as far as they really could have gone with it or really played up that joke. Um, and the same thing with, like, the, the oversaturation of the media where there's been a Bigfoot sighting and then they whip up hysteria to where the, the gun shop gets flooded with people who just want to get guns because they've been led to believe that the, the mere presence of a Bigfoot is a danger and everyone needs to be armed with the biggest guns they can possibly carry because yeah. uh, they have to kill this Bigfoot on sight. And, like, again, like, good idea, fun idea, irrelevant idea um that they're bringing up there but they just don't explore it to like the 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 best way that they could have it's all kind of half-baked and it's just unfortunate they spend so much time with harry stepped through the coffee table again look at that big silly oaf doing that where you're just like i wish like less of this more of playing up the impact like the real world impact of having such a creature in this situation is the situation that's funny it's not the pratfalls that's funny agreed well i mean that's the same with like you know with like et for example like et had that streamlined to a t where it's like it sort of gradually grows upon its ideas of like okay elliot meets et and you know they have a kinship but then it's like they bring him home okay well we have to hide him from my parent from my mom so we can't have them be be seen so you're okay you're gonna hide here while i go to school and go to work and then it's like slowly reveals stuff of like 
oh, they're connected. E.T. drinks the beer and Elliot's Mm -hmm. drunk in the class and they take him out trick-or-treating and we're able to hide him under a ghost and then the government gets it. Like, it it gradually peels back the layers of the onion. Whereas this one, it's like, it's like a diced onion almost. Instead of peeling it back, like someone just cut it up and put it in a bowl because it's like the ingredients are there. They're just sort of spread out like all over the place. Um, Yeah, yeah. And just coming up, it, it, like at like a moment's notice, like oh, this is introduced as an element, and then uh, like you said, we're not going to see that element again for the next forty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. Like like to, <laughs> to the point where it's like it's not like a build up to it. It's like we mentioned it, and we are going to pay it off. But like, but there's no build to it. It's just like right. Oh yeah, yeah. remember that thing we mentioned forty minutes yeah, ago? It's back. Like, it's back now. So <laughs> it's a weirdly structured movie. But I do think like it's one of those where I see where if people watched it when they were younger, that um. That, like, they would really latch on to this movie and be like, yeah, Harry and the Henderson's great movie. Mm. And and even as an adult, I was like, yeah, it's a perfectly fine, like, this type of movie. There's sure. way worse. Like, it's 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 got ideas. Uh, it's got a good cast. Uh, we didn't even mention the real MVP of this movie, which is Rick Baker. The makeup yes. on Harry is terrific. The great Astounding. Rick Baker. Uh, Oscar won an Oscar for the makeup in this movie. and Deservedly. Well-deserved. Well you know, Rick Baker, of course, did, like... Worked on Cronenberg's earlier movies. He do on went on to do Planet of the Apes, Planet of the Apes, Men in Black. Uh, yep. You know, so like very, very great resume there for sure. Uh, right. And yeah, Harry looks great. Like as a creep, like the 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 fur's great. The the facial expressions are great. Um, mm. And it was uh, the the I believe the actor in the suit is the same actor. Also, again, forgetting names, you'll have to since you have the IMDb up uh, here is the same one who was the Predator. In the mm-hmm. first two Predator movies, uh, who sadly passed not too long after Predator 2, I think. Yeah, it was Kevin Peter Hall. Kevin Peter Hall, that's his name. Yep, so yeah, because he's a very tall guy, so they had him in, in the, the suit for Harry. And uh, yeah, good good work all around. Uh, re- anything regarding Harry, like A-plus stuff. Well, especially, like, Lithgow is like 6'4". So yeah, he's a tall guy. Yeah. Like, in the suit, like, Harry is still, like, looming over Lithgow, which really, like, goes to, like, it, it really helps the illusion of this being, like, uh, this gigantic forested creature. And, like, because of the level of confidence in how good the the practical makeup looks, it, they're not having to shoot him in shadow or rely on, like, CGI tricks. Like, there are full-on shots of full-bodied Bigfoot, like, running in the forest. Like, we, we didn't even really get into the fact that there's, like, this side plot story of Jacques Lafleur, who's played by oh, yeah. uh, David Suchet who is uh, a hunter who has been chasing Bigfoot his entire life, and he just wants to find it and kill it. And he you know, keeps hearing inklings of uh, Harry is in the suburb, and so he's roaming around Seattle. He's like getting ever closer to finding out uh, the Hendersons are, are keeping him hidden. And towards the end of the movie... Um, there's like a standoff that happens in the woods where they try to take Harry back out into uh, nature. And um, there's, of course, the scene of, get out of here, can't, can't you see we don't want you anymore? And they like break Harry's heart and my heart too uh, and to, to try and convince him that he has to go back into the woods. Um, and there's a shot there where David Suchet, there's, there, he's trying to kill Bigfoot and uh, Harry like takes off running at him and you get a full-on tracking shot, like, probably on the back of a car, I'm assuming, because the way that the, the, the camera's moving. But them running and uh, Harry closing ground on Jacques, like, full-bodied running. And it looks like a giant ape-man creature 
chasing a dude and it like it's it's that level of expertise that goes into crafting a suit like that like if this was you know uh night demon or um any anything like that where like they they made the suit out of like cheap rubber for like (laughs) six bucks or something like that you would never have a shot like that in the movie because it would immediately break your illusion uh, and, and you'd be taken out of it. But like the fact they went the opposite direction where they were confident enough to put the full suit in motion, broad daylight, doing that sort of stuff, and you buy it. And yes. like that's that's so impressive. Agreed. No, everything, like I said, did just back to my initial statement of like everything regarding Harry is A+. plus. Like the way they shoot that is really good because you're like yeah it would break the like illusion if it was like out of place like you said and it was it night killer you were referring to if it was something like it might that. Have been, there's a <laughs> there's like is it demon night there's a there's a bigfoot movie that has oh, like a really night of the demon suit. night of is the it demon. night of the demon okay. i think so yeah yeah yeah. which uh, uh maybe coming soon to a good bad what you <laughs> we'll see uh that's the that's the one where I was like, ah, oh, damn it! I shouldn't spoil it for somebody. That's the one where they, he rips someone's dick off, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Okay. That's that's, sure that, is. that's Night of the Demon. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, much better stuff, and no dick ripping in uh, right. Harry yes. Anderson's. Um, Unfortunately, yeah. I think I mean, that's what would have put it over the top. It, it, it could have been. Well, I mean, over the top. I mean, you mentioned the scene of like Lithgow telling them, "We don't want you anymore," and it's mm-hmm. like you think it's a little bit over the top. Um, but then you see our next movie and then you're like, I, no, no, he, he played it exactly the way it needed to be played. <laughs> do we, do we, I mean, I guess we can't, do you have any final thoughts on Harry and the Hendersons? I don't like, you Would know, you recommend it. I, I mean, I think so. It's again, it's one of those movies where like, especially if you're an adult and mm-hmm. you don't have kids, you know, it's probably not like one I would, it's not one I would hard recommend, but like sure. if you had to watch it, but like, especially if you have kids, like this is probably a little too old for my son, but like maybe mm-hmm. in a year or two, like, yeah, I would, you know, I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a serviceable, uh, more than serviceable family movie, good messages, really good makeup, like thought put into it. It's a little messy, a little overlong, but I think like it's, it's still a worthwhile movie. So sure. I, I would yeah. recommend it in the, in the right context, certainly. Um, but yeah, what I would not recommend <laughs> is Little Bigfoot for anyone uh, to for any reason, like ever, any age, any creed, any background doesn't matter who you are. I don't recommend Little Bigfoot to to anyone. We are going on a real family vacation. I'm gonna start packing. It started as a simple family retreat. What's City Slickers set out to find their summer paradise. Holy Toledo! But the wilderness is full of surprises. Did you hear that? And they're about to uncover something. Fuck. A little unusual. I saw one. A little one. A little Bigfoot. I have a rifle to every man on my payroll. They're gonna get little Bigfoot and they're gonna kill him. We have to do something. Pete and I'm scared. Little Bigfoot. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to bury the lead, but this is maybe one of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, (laughs) Okay, let's get into it then, because I mean, I did. I messaged you earlier, and I said like there, there is a category of movies that make me angry with how bad they are, and I, I like to think it's a small-ish category, but like this is this is bordering on like Karate Christmas Miracle for me because I, I. I think it was a, a, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm talking, talking out of turn. Um, but like, it comes across as like a scam 
for a couple of different reasons. Totally. Well, I I will say uh, I will say I I it's bad. It's very very bad. There there like like I, I don't think I would argue that. Um, I don't completely argue it as a scam or Karate Christmas Miracle level. It did make me frustrated for sure, and I did not have a good time watching this movie. Um, but you know, as we've continuously uh, done done our research on <laughs> Ken Del Vecchio, I, I I think you know <laughs> Little Bigfoot is not hateful. No, nor no, no, no. you know in that way, and 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 so I, I I gotta I gotta at least give it that. It's just trying to be a family Bigfoot movie. It just does it really really badly. And it's sort of weird because it's so a little bit of backstory. And I know you probably should give the synopsis of the movie, but like it's I'll get to it. It's mostly the same as like E.T. slash Harry and the Hendersons, like relatively like we'll get into it. But um, but so this movie is made by PM Entertainment, uh, you know, Joseph Mary and uh, Richard Pepin's uh, production company who largely did direct to video action movies. They did such movies. They did a lot of Gary Daniels movies such as uh, Recoil, which uh, Art Camacho, the director of this movie, was a stunt coordinator on. And he was also a stunt coordinator for uh, for people like Cynthia Rothrock and Don the Dragon Wilson. Um, mm. But, you know, PM Entertainment did, like, Gary Daniels movies. Speaking of Don the Dragon Wilson, they did Cybertracker. They did a Chris and I favorite, Hologram Man. Uh, Hell yeah. Which will someday come soon to a good, bad what, because that movie rules. Um, Fuck yeah. And so, like, they've done all these awesome, actually, like, B-action movies. But the thing about PM Entertainment, and you can attest to by having seen some of the, their films, I feel, is they they play it straight. Like, so it's, it's sort of bonkers because of some of the action, like, excess in the action of these movies. But, like, they get a relatively good enough, like, lead or leads for what the movie calls for. They spend all their money on explosions, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, they cobble together bits from very famous other movies, which does happen here, clearly. Um, sure. And then they, they, they package the movie and it's out. And they did great when it come to action movies, but come to find out, they have a not huge, but surprisingly, like, decently sized subsection where they made, like, family movies. They did, like, Magic Kid 1 and 2. Uh, they did some other Bigfoot movie before this. No relation, though it st- shares one of the actors of this movie. And then um, then there was a sequel to Little Bigfoot uh, as well, which uh, I'll preface, neither of us have seen. I was tempted to maybe like background watch it, but I, I did not uh, take a plunge on that one. Um, but I just like you could feel them lost in their element with this, mm-hmm. like to the, to to the point that there's like six car chases in this movie to pad running time, and it's like you know, like and they're like they're not. I hesitate to say well done, but like they're on a closed track in the woods. Like whoever's doing the driving is doing a good job, I guess. Sure. Like they clearly they, they have a stunt crew who knows what they're doing, but they just didn't really know how to flush the story out for like this kid's movie. And it's like, and the thing it's so it's obnoxious too. like, I, you know, I know again, I know you'll read the synopsis, but the, mm-hmm. the three kids in this movies are like the brattiest kids that you will ever see in a major motion. Just the not, worst. The, I would say major motion picture, but this is not a major <laughs> motion picture, even though it's got some known <laughs> actors in it. Um, yeah. But I've gone on way too long. Why don't you tell the people what the movie is about and then give a little bit of your high level overview with with Little Bigfoot. Sure. Yeah, and I—I I mean, writing like reading out my synopsis is going to tell you a little bit of how I feel about the movie already. But 
Um, an evil logging tycoon has bought and is illegally logging redwood trees in Northern California. One night, one of his loggers spies a Bigfoot and its child. Mistaking them for bears, they chase and wound the mother Bigfoot, leaving little Bigfoot to wander around the woods aimlessly looking for help. The tycoon, worried that the presence of protected wildlife on his property could be reported by environmentalists and shut his operation down, orders his cronies to find and kill the bears before it's too late. Unrelated to all of that, PJ Souls takes her shitty kids to the woods for vacation. <laughs> they do everything they can to make life harder for little Bigfoot, and they complain the whole time. Um, and, like, that is one of the things that makes me really upset, is that this movie is called Little Bigfoot. Um, and Little Bigfoot does not have, like, doesn't have to be in the movie. And in fact, is probably a detriment to the movie itself. Because this movie opens up with the, uh, lumberjacks cutting down trees. And as they're cutting down the trees, there's a guy that's like, hey, I don't, you know, feel too good about the fact that we're cutting down these baby redwoods. Like, that's illegal. We shouldn't be doing it. And when he complains to the foreman... The big evil uh, uh, asshole um, tycoon guy comes rolling up in his snakeskin boots and he pulls out like a couple of like polished wood balls in his hands. He's like clacking them together, which is like the weirdest sort of tick to give this evil mastermind guy, but whatever. And he basically like tells him like, hey, shut the fuck up. I'll give you guys uh, you know a thousand dollar bonus, but you know, keep chopping those trees down. And then the guys go about their night. Then they introduce Little Bigfoot, basically just walking around the woods with his mom. And the like I said, they mistake him for bears. They chase them in the trucks, which is car chase number one. Um, they go driving out into the night to try and get these bears. And the mom gets shot and wounded. Um, and then they end up crashing the truck so they don't catch the Bigfoot. But the mother Bigfoot goes into a cave to bleed out. Um which you uh, so so aptly uh, compared her to Tim Roth in Reservoir Dogs. She's just bleeding uh, out the whole movie. Which, which is fucking brilliant. I'm fu- I'm fucking dying, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> like, You're going to be okay. <laughs> Say the fucking words. Uh, every, every time they would cut back to her, like, moaning in pain in this... <laughs> In this little cavern. I thought she I, I, was uh, gonna shoot the like evil tycoon, much like Tim Roth does the oh, Michael yeah. Madsen and <laughs> Reservoir Dogs. Just I'm empty a, the magazine into him. Dude, fuck you! I'm dying <laughs> over here. <laughs> Someone should redub it with Tim Roth's dialogue for <laughs> Reservoir Dogs. Hey, Bilbo, come on, let's go, let's go. Fuck you! I'm fucking dying here. I'm fucking dying. That would have been a better movie if they would have if they would have just turned it into Reservoir Dogs. But unfortunately, so so this is all happening, and we get introduced to a, a girl. I guess I could look at who these people are. Um, who is like a local? Uh, she she's a veterinarian, Lanya. right? She's a veterinarian. Uh, well, she's an environmentalist first, and a veterinarian second. Oh, yes. as she puts it, but. She is out there sort of spying on their operation. So she's looking for reasons to shut them down. And so the guys, after crashing the truck, they go tell this uh, tycoon guy, um, hey, you know, we saw some bears out here on the land. And the guy's like, bears? Oh, no. If one of these environmentalists find out that there's protected wildlife on my land, then they could turn us over to the feds and then the feds will come take the property before I'm able to cut all these trees down and I'll lose a bunch of money. I need you to go kill those bears 
and then you know bury them in the woods so that they don't shut down my operation which is one already ignoring the fact that they've introduced an element that could get them shut down which is that they're cutting down redwood trees but then after he says that one of the guys who went out that night in a truck with a gun chasing those bears with his buddies then stands up and says oh i can't kill an animal so i can't be any part of this and the guy tells him like well all right you're fired and uh don't tell anybody uh about you know what we're doing out here and then the guy leaves the movie for now uh in comes pj souls and her shithead kids who they are like driving out to go on vacation on a in a cabin and the kid is playing his game boy on full blast volume playing the most annoying fucking game that I, you can ever imagine it, like, it's every single beep and bloop and click and like explosion you can think of coming out of this thing and his brother says he's been playing that for six hours and i was like i would have like long before then just jerked the wheel into a transformer and killed everybody in that car if i had to sit in there and listen to that thing for six hours regular tommy callahan <laughs> goddamn bridget Bondman. but uh no it, it it's well and it's like yes he was annoying about it but then the brother like takes the game boy oh, yeah. and throws it out the window and it's like that's an expensive you know like little yeah you could just th- turn it off yeah, it's it's so god they're horrible. All all of them are horrible. And it's like and I hate that they like uh, I I hate when this trope is used not to a good like thing cuz like PJ Souls brings them in cuz like they were already sort of shitty and loud and annoying in the living room and so she sits them she sits them down before they go at their house mm. and she's like, you know, I know your dad died and all of this whatnot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like I was like, okay, yeah, and it's like that's that's sad, but like that doesn't give them the right to be just the right. shittiest. And kid. it's also just cheap. Like yeah. I don't have to develop the characters; I'll just give them a reason why they're shitty in the throwaway line, and then people will just be on board. Oh, it made me so angry, like from the start. And we should also like before we go any further, I want to at least preface something, and I feel like you feel the same way. What we're describing may sound bonkers, like on paper, but this movie to witness it is so boring it is so deathly boring like it's just like there's so much just dead air like we're we're bullet pointing this for everybody but it's like there's just so much stretches of nothingness and it's just like it's it's excruciating well and to give you an idea at at this point not counting like uh b-roll establishing shots that show uh bigfoot and little bigfoot like off in the distance in a field there was the scene where they get shot at and they run away into the woods, but there's really no interaction that we see with them, like what kind of things that they do. Like, we're not getting E.T.-esque level interaction with Little Bigfoot. It's just an animal that's somewhere in the movie. And my my notes, because I always take notes on my phone while I'm watching these movies, the first thing that I've written down is, this movie is fucking boring. And that's my, <laughs> my first note. And then my second note is... The main character meets Little Bigfoot for the first time 39 minutes into the movie. So everything that we described about like the confrontation with the loggers, they see the Bigfoot and they chase them, to the introduction of the family, and then the little kid meeting Little Bigfoot for the first time in the movie is 39 minutes into it. It felt longer, to be honest. I, I like. Oh, it does. <laughs> it does. But like... 
as opposed to like we just came out of you know uh, uh, we just came out of talking about Harry and the Hendersons where like in the cold open basically of that movie the first five minutes they hit Harry with the car and yes. they're like okay well now we're in this situation we have to figure out where we're going and you know not to bury the lead but in To Catch a Yeti we see the Yeti in the first two minutes of that movie is the yes. Yeti is introduced it's a real thing there it is and now we're we're doing the chase for the rest of the movie. 39 minutes is when we get our meet cute with 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 who is supposed to be basically this movie's Henry Thomas and Little Bigfoot. Oh man, oh, and this kid's far from Henry Thomas. This kid no. is terrible. Like I hate to, to, to shit on on like kid actors, but God, they're all terrible. And to be fair, like the teenage <laughs> kids are terrible too. Like they're right. all bad. Like everyone is bad in this movie. And I just I, I felt bad for PJ Souls. <laughs> I felt really bad for PJ Souls because I'm always happy to see her, but just like she had nothing to fucking work with, nothing here. to work with here. Yeah, or like is it Matt McCoy who plays the Matt the McCoy sheriff? is the sheriff? Yeah, yeah, I felt bad for him too. Like they're they're the actors you will recognize from things, and it's just like oh my god, I feel so terrible for them in this movie. Um, and it's just like and there's just nothing but there's a lot of freaking B roll. Like there's the car chases, mm-hmm. and then there's just a lot of B roll of like nature footage. And B-roll of uh, redwood trees getting cut down. (laughs) Yes. There's a lot of footage of trees getting cut. (laughs) And it's just like padding the runtime. It's ridiculous. And, um, oh my god, I... I don't even know what else to really, like, talk about. Uh, Oh, I'm not done. Okay, you, you, you go for (laughs) it. You go for it. I, I took notes because I was upset at this movie. The... I, like I said, he meets Little Bigfoot at 39 minutes in, and in that scene, it's at night, and Little Bigfoot gets, like, scared, basically, and runs off into the woods. We don't see Little Bigfoot again until an hour into the movie, so it's not like, he's like, oh, Little Bigfoot, hey, little guy, come with us, we're gonna go back to the house, and we'll you know, dress you up, and we'll do stuff that's fun to put in a kid's book. He just leaves the movie until, you know, an hour in, so we don't see him for another 20 minutes, and then... When he sees Little Bigfoot, Little Bigfoot is just out in the woods hugging a tree stump, uh, which is just like, do you get it? Like the the <laughs> anti like the well yeah. the, the anti logging the environmentalist like messages in this. There movie. was one like bit of information because we were talking off mic about how like there's like no trivia, there's no, like, no anything you could find about this movie except on its Wikipedia page where they took an excerpt from the TV Guide review. Which, like, TV Guide is not the highest of, of high art by any stretch of the word. They gave this a one out of four, uh, uh, one out of four stars saying that, like, you know, it was very ham-fisted with its environmental messages and noted that scene of him hugging the redwood tree. <laughs> so, that's about all, all I know from a critical perspective. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very, it, like, Harry and the Hendersons is not subtle by any stretch, but it, no. it's, it's, it's very subtle compared to to this movie like oh yeah oh by far i like when it it had a reason to have a bigfoot in the movie like yes little bigfoot is little bigfoot is inconsequential to this entire movie um especially with like you you've already sort of introduced where the uh environmentalist slash veterinarian girl is like spying Mm -hmm. on them and then they get you know not to spoil like you know but who cares you shouldn't see this fucking movie not about no. the carpet with the horse but the the guy the you already mentioned the guy for now leaves but then he's the one who comes back and like you know calls the authorities on it and so they the, get in trouble for cutting down the redwoods it yes. has nothing to do with bigfoot no they didn't get you it wasn't uh you illegally shot like a, a wild animal or anything like that 
it no. was just oh you're you're gonna get out of jail and be fined for you know destruction of of, of property that you did not have the permits to do um, right. and endangering like you know wildlife preservation but had nothing to do with little bigfoot or his mom nothing whatsoever it's just, no. like none of it matters it's just like we had an animatronic which is terrible by the way which this is, little is, is terrifying <laughs> it's so it's so terrifying it's like it doesn't move very well like at all and it's just like, like the eyes don't fully blink so it just kind of looks like he's like drunk like the eyes will kind of blink like off center he does and he'll like, like uh, move drunk. his head back and forth but then like they have they have definitely two at least two bigfoot masks because they have the one that has full facial movement and the eyes will kind of move a little bit and the lips will move but then whenever he's shot on like the side it's clearly just a rubber thing that's yep. on his face cuz it's completely still and hard and his lip juts out from the bottom really <laughs> weirdly so it just, it's just uh, it, it looks he's like he's like leering at these little children um but i wanted to really quickly so he when they find him hugging the tree the loggers are coming along and then the kid is like, you know, we got, we got to get out of here. We got to go. We got to go. And little Bigfoot tries to lead him into the cave where his mom is bleeding out. Cause I'm sure he's like, you got to help my mom. She's dying. And the kid's like, no, fuck that. We got to go. We got to go the other way. And they take off across the woods and they walk and then they do a cross dissolve as the kid and his sister and little Bigfoot come rolling up to their cabin. And as they walk up, he turns to little Bigfoot and he goes, okay, go home. Little Bigfoot. This is our home. You go to your home. Okay, go away, little Bigfoot. And little Bigfoot just turns around and walks off in the fucking woods. And it's like, wait, why did you take him out of the woods to lead him to your house? He'd be like, all right, get out of here now. Like, it's time time to go. Well, it leads and then we... to that weird scene later where they tried to do the Lithgow uh, thing. Uh, yes. From... <laughs> Which we'll get into, but... But that was even fucking worse. Because <laughs> the... Oh, my God. So... They they know that the environmentalist guys are doing, you know, fuck all, and they're bad. So he goes walking out into the woods, like, ten minutes from where his cabin is, and just goes, Bilbo, oh, that's right, they're called the little Bigfoot Bilbo in this movie, for some reason. Bilbo the Hobbit, uh, but it has nothing to do with J.R.L. Tolkien or the Hobbit or anything like that. It, no. It's a, they have a different book about Bilbo the Hobbit, and in that book, Bilbo is completely covered in hair well okay so as someone who's had to read a copious amount of children's books i'm not going to forgive i think it's weird but there's definitely been children's books where they're like odd slash take childlike liberties for young kids with things from like other books and stories so i'm I'm not saying that they, who knows, maybe they just made it for this movie and it was a really silly, like, dumb idea, but could actually be a book that exists. So, um, I think it's weird regardless, but I at least want to put that context out there. Like, those things exist out in the world. (laughs) Yeah. It's just weird that it was, like, Bilbo the Hobbit, which is, like, okay, that's a direct reference to something that is, like, an existing character. And then, like in the little book that you see like two pages of it that they're reading in the car when they're on their way out to the campsite. Yes. It's a fully hairy little like Sasquatch. Yeah. Which is like, okay, like that's, you know, I guess you can change the character. It's just odd that they wouldn't just literally name it whatever the hell that they wanted and not make the direct comparison to Tolkien's work. 
Well, especially because what kid's gonna know at this point? Like, unless they right. saw like the the Ralph Bashke like Lord of the Rings movie, you, like when yeah. they were a kid, right? Because it's like no kids reading like Tolkien. I mean, I guess I read The Hobbit when I was like twelve ish, like you know, or, or t- I don't know, somewhere in that area. But still, like I don't know. It was it's so weird. you're saying that there's probably adults out there who saw this before they read or knew anything about Tolkien's Hobbit, and when they hear it, they're like, Tolkien ripped off Little Bigfoot. No, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I am not putting that out in the world. <laughs> do not quote me. Do not at me. <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, he goes walking out into the woods like 10 minutes from his house and just goes, Bilbo. And Bilbo just pops out from behind a tree. And he was just there. And so he's just like, Brr, comes running up to him. And then they're like, we got to get you out of here because the hunters want to find you. And so then they go to the cave where they find the mom bleeding out. And then they go, like, instead of being like, oh, oh, no, you're you're hurt and you're dying um, and you're in a well-protective cave, so we could definitely just leave you here. And we know a veterinarian. Let's run into town and get that veterinarian and then they can come out and help you. They go like, no, get your ass up. You're going to limp along and we're just going to take off running into the woods. And so they do. And the, the Mama Bigfoot is, like, really struggling to keep up, is really lagging behind and is, like has lost a lot of blood is delirious and collapses against a fallen log in the dirt and they just see her fall and they just go like oh that's shitty and then they turn and leave (laughs) her like laying next to this log (laughs) i'd like to think that that shot wasn't intended because it's clearly not a prop it's an actual log that's out there so i'd like to think that she meant to like lay down on it and it actually broke and <laughs> falls down. <laughs> and they just left it in the and movie. They just left and it in like, the movie. That's the only shot they the only take they got of it. They're just like, Nope, that's all we uh or that's maybe all we can afford to shoot. Or maybe they got one and like something got stuck in the gate, like they got like an actual one and then they're like, Ah oh, shit, okay, we gotta shoot it again. And then uh that she fell on the log and they're like well we can't go we can't go get another log so that's just, yeah yeah that's just well, the that's what we had so we're leaving, we're leaving it but either way they leave they leave her and also this whole time that they're running around they're being hunted by the loggers who are the worst hunters that you can imagine because there are like two children and a dog with their little bigfoot friend stand like not even hiding behind rocks or trees or anything standing out in the open and they're just like running around and are easily deterred by these kids like like throwing a log 10 feet away from them and they'll hear a noise and they'll go running off in that direction like they, they're very easily fooled yes and so they leave mama bigfoot to die next to that that downed tree and they run back again to the cabin and then they get to the cabin and then they do the harry and the henderson's get out of here like uh, and then he but, he but that's after a, but that's after like a long car chase too isn't it like oh they, they, yes they get in the, they like steal the, a car they steal a car it's one of the truck loggers trucks and then they're being chased and then they ha- end up in like a dukes of hazard like situation because like one of the one of the loggers like they which they is turn, a good stunt it is a good like i can't besmirch the stunts in this movie because it was made right. by a stunt coordinator so it's like they knew what they were doing from that front there's just not enough of it to mitigate all the boring other shit in the movie but like no th- they have a good stunt that truck goes off the the ledge in slow motion into the water um that's really well done and then they like stop because they have a breather and then that's what he does the lift gal moment like get out of here i hate you like, <laughs> i hate you get out of here come on 
I'll miss you. Which is, like, Lithgow didn't do that. He's like, can't you see we don't want you anymore? Like, go, get out of here. This kid's like, I hate you. He's, like, pelting him. Yeah. He hits him with a pine cone. And at this point, like, at that point in, in Harry and the Hendersons, Lithgow and Harry had a relationship. Like, they'd been living yes. together, they'd been protecting each other, and they'd grown to love each other. And he was doing this out of love. At this point, the kid and Little Bigfoot had collectively spent three minutes of screen time together, maybe four minutes of screen time together. Like, the, yeah. they have no relationship for this to be broken. So this is literally just a confused animal that's getting screamed at and pelted by this young child that he also doesn't have a relationship with. And Little Bigfoot just like, oh, and he goes walking off over a hill. Gets caught in a uh, bear trap. To get his foot caught in a bear trap. <laughs> 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 he gets his foot caught a bear trap, and like everyone's just sort of just watching him. Like no one helps him immediately. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and, and then is that when they all get arrested? Like, like yes. it's like right then. And then, this is so insane. So it's like they get arrested, <laughs> and then now little Bigfoot. I don't even know if they shot the scene of him getting out of the bear trap. No, like all of a sudden there's just a shot of him and his mom up on top of the fine. mountain, and they're like waving to everybody and everyone's sort of smiling like oh thanks for being a source of joy in our life little bigfoot and it's just like you didn't even know him <laughs> yeah he was, like he fucking hates you i don't even know why he turned around to wave at you guys because they do they do the fake out where little bigfoot gets caught and then the the loggers show up and the the tycoon guy is like hey go over there and you'll know, kill the the bear that's in that trap which like at this point clearly you could tell that's not a bear but they keep calling it a bear and the guy comes up points the rifle at little bigfoot and we just hear a gunshot off screen and so we're you know oh no they shot little bigfoot and then we see uh the sheriff come walking over the hill with that hunter in cuffs behind his back and so then like we don't know like who shot what like it, it was like a warning shot or whatever to stop that guy from taking the shot at little bigfoot but you're you're absolutely right that he walks back then the whistleblower shows up with a bunch more cops and reveals like i turned you in for cutting down redwoods and then little bigfoot is just off in the distance i'm assuming that's his dad and his mom is dead by that tree out in the woods so that's not actually his mom uh He's, he got saved from the trap by his dad, Bigfoot, and they're going off into the woods, and the dad's like, don't ever talk to me or my son ever again. And that's that's the end of Little Bigfoot, which is like, the reason I call it a scam is, one, it's called Little Bigfoot. Little Bigfoot is completely inconsequential and is probably in the movie for collectively 10-ish minutes, and that's counting the time that he's in a car that's in a car chase. So he's not doing anything, he's just sitting in a car. Right. And then if you go on IMDb... The, like, poster art that they have for the movie is the the kids with Little Bigfoot walking down the street through a suburb, which yes. does not happen in the movie at all. It's entirely within the woods. Yes. It's scammy. That happens a lot with VHS tapes. It, it, but it's... It, yeah. Uh, but, like, but that that's pretty blatant. Though it's weird, because the VHS tape that, that you got me... <laughs> Which you're welcome. <laughs> I own, which like uh, uh, hopefully I will cease to not own because it's it's 32 degrees outside. I could use firewood, so yeah, uh, right. <laughs> so we might, might be burning a little Bigfoot, but uh, <laughs> but like it's just like him hiding behind like the title of the movie, and mm-hmm. it has the other like the middle child on the cover, and so it doesn't like 
it doesn't really tell you anything about the movie. I can't say that it lies because it doesn't really tell you anything. But like the one right. we're talking about is a straight, bold faced like lie when you go to the IMDb page. So right. Um, but yeah, and for me, it's more of like a straw that broke the camel's back because like the it's it's mainly the movie being called Little Bigfoot and the movie is about a a, a logger tycoon who's you know, <laughs> illegally cutting down trees without permits who gets outed by environmentalists who shut down his operation, and inexplicably there's a Bigfoot in this movie. Like, <laughs> it has nothing to do with Little Bigfoot. And it, like, for me, this is definitely something that somebody, they added the Little Bigfoot thing at the end after they already had this shitty movie about loggers, and then they marketed it to kids, trying to trick kids into being like, Mommy, get me the Little Bigfoot movie that I want to watch. And it has none of that shit in there. And it's about, yeah. like, loggers trying to kill kids. I think they they started writing it before On Deadly Ground came out with Steven Seagal. <laughs> and then when that movie tanked, they were like, oh, okay, well, oh, we, no. we need to do something else. <laughs> so then they, they flipped some of it to be a Bigfoot movie and a family movie instead of a squib-heavy uh, action movie. Uh, which PM Entertainment does great work with squib heavy action movies. So you know what? It should have been a squib heavy action movie. I would have liked it much more. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it, but and it, Little Bigfoot was able to like act and articulate uh, himself better than Steven Seagal. So <laughs> he was more he was more lifelike in the eyes than Steven Seagal. So and on that note. <laughs> Let's talk about a movie that uh, your mileage may vary. I'm going to be interested to see where we get in uh, land on this one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, To Catch a Yeti from 1995. When the moon hangs high on the breast of the lake, and the bite of the wind is like a slap in the face, a legend of horror lurks in the haze. It's Bigfoot. Giant of a creature, covered with hair, as tall as a timber and strong as a bear. Y'all better not go walking out there. With you know, Blubber. When we catch this yeti, I'm set for life. Bigfoot's coming, gonna get you, gonna get you. Bigfoot's coming, so you better watch out. Lock your This, I mean, like I said, we, we watched this as part of uh, the, we both watched it as part of the Scarecrow Challenge recently in October, and I was not a fan, uh, and I initially put this on the list as our bad, um, you know, being familiar with just images and, and, and some clips and stuff from uh, Little Bigfoot, that like okay that looks weird and wild they have like an articulated or somewhat articulated bigfoot um that you know could be fun or have enough uh, about it to where we could spin it into a what and then upon watching little bigfoot i had to go back to to catch a yeti to say like i need to find enough out about this movie to make it a what instead because there's no way that it is as bad as uh, and bigfoot. it's not for me personally uh I, I i like i was so bored watching little bigfoot like i i don't think we could stress yeah and then i want to put the put the close the coffin on little bigfoot and say that like it's 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 boring like it's super boring whereas to catch a yeti is right. it's 
not good by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it was a made-for-TV movie shot in Toronto, and it stars Meatloaf. Uh, so I feel like that enough. And and it also has a little uh, a little animatronic puppet that doesn't move very well. It just kind of sits there with these like big feet and just goes yeah. like it doesn't really. It do. makes like weird chirping sounds. <laughs> like the whole time, yeah. Continuously, it's like this one was definitely more uh, Gremlins inspired. Like they're trying mm-hmm. to be like it's trying to sound like Gizmo like a little bit, but yeah. it's like. But it's not at all. It's not Gizmo. <laughs> but, um, it's like cracked out Gizmo. But like this movie, the, the thing is when you're dealing, because we're talking about family films right here, right? And right. so it's like, and they're all from, well, late 80s to, to mid 90s. And like, you know, you, you, you can really, like, there's nothing, there's few things worse than a bad one as seen by like right. Little Bigfoot. Like this type of bad family movie is like really miserable to sit through, especially because it's trying to be funny at the same time just awful so all you could hope for is it to either be good or be entirely deranged and unhinged (laughs) which i would argue to catch a yeti is certainly that (laughs) that's fair yeah i i i honest upon a second watch to try and find more there to appreciate uh i definitely did uh, and it also helped that I looked up some information on the movie itself, which gave me a lot of background and context that that made me appreciate the just the the sort of making the movie itself. Because, uh, like you said, it, it was shot in Toronto, but it was a a UK based production company working with a film crew in Toronto to shoot a movie that takes place in upstate New York. So it's all like Canadian actors. Uh, one of them inexplicably has a British accent. Um, that comes and goes, uh, which I found kind of funny. Um, but the um, they shot over the course of 13 days, which is like pretty quick. But their original director that was on the movie was fired by the executive producer on the Canadian side. And the, the executive producer on the Canadian side decided to rewrite the entire script. And the budget got slashed by 60%. Oh. So, well... <laughs> they they and also the lead actor left the movie to go star in a sitcom and uh meatloaf got attached to the movie a week before they started shooting so oh um bob keen was a uh, he had worked on a low budget uh horror movie with uh, noel cronin who was a producer for the movie who basically called him up and was just like hey we need a director um, I need somebody to bail me out because I have a bunch of money sunk into this project and it's, it's looking like it's going down. So would you come direct this movie? Um, Bob Keen, who had never directed anything before, um, came into this movie that was now underfunded with a 13 day shooting budget, like sh- shooting schedule with an actor who was just arriving to set, knowing nothing about what the hell is going on. And he pulled it off. And there is a quote, uh, cause Bob Keen did an interview with dread central, uh, back in 2015, uh, where he was act, he was asked about how To Catch a Yeti is criticized for being a bad movie or a B movie, um, and what does he feel about the criticisms? He said, "To Catch a Yeti is not a good movie, so by definition, it is a bad movie. It doesn't even qualify as a B movie. It is a no-budget children's film. Why people think it's anything more than that and worthy of such critical critical scrutiny is beyond me." <laughs> End quote. And to me, it's like. The, the dude is self-aware. Uh, he he understood, like, the, the task was almost impossible. And another quote from him was, he said, quote, 
My only ambition was to get through the shoot without killing the cast and crew. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, and I, for me, that adds a lot of context to where now when you go and watch the movie and you see that, like, it's very tenuously strung together from scene to scene. Characters are oddball. They seem, like, not even just misdirected, but sometimes, like, self-directed. Especially Meatloaf, oh, who feels like he is ad-libbing, like, 90%. He's just doing his thing in the movie. Like <laughs> He's <there's>... just riffing. <laughs> and Meatloaf... I mean, Meatloaf could act, uh, you know, but, sure. like... But... He shouldn't be riffing. <laughs> he needs to be directed and reined in <laughs> unless, a little bit. Unless it involves a musical number, he should not be riffing. Uh, to which, sadly, T. Cacchietti does not have a, a musical number in it. <laughs> um, it's also worth note that the movie was uh, uh, finished in 93, but then after seeing the, uh, the T. Cacchietti little doll... Um, some American television uh, channels wanted to show the movie, so then they wanted a cut of the movie that was more centered around the Yeti. So originally, Bob Keane, they wanted to show the Yeti sparingly, you know, have him like show up like here and there, whatnot, but sort of like Gizmo, he's like tucked away in a bag, or they, like they don't really show him that much. Or it, there's a lot of shots of the little girl carrying him around, like just the puppet, right. and you don't really get full on his face. They wanted more of that stuff. And the production companies out of America were like, no, get us more Yeti, all Yeti, all day. <laughs> and so then it went into two years of post-production hell where there was multiple cuts of the movie. And in pretty much all of them, they kept giving the notes back saying more Yeti. So they used like every second of Yeti footage that they had ended up in the final cut of this movie. And despite all of this, this despite th that hellish sort of outlook of, of coming in and trying to make that movie. The movie was profitable because of the, there was a no budget movie. It got released in the UK and in Canada and, and a bunch of television show like channels in the U S carried it. And it got released on VHS and spread around the world. Like it had a big presence in like you know, Greece and like the, uh, South America. There was several countries that like, got translated into other languages. Like to catch a Yeti was a major release and it was made for like forty dollars in two weeks. <laughs> it's official. The world's got Yeti fever. <laughs> I, and to me, that like the movie is not very good. But then when you can like see why it's not very good, like this thing didn't have a chance from the very beginning. But then for it to turn a buck, yep. is is just bravo, Bob Keen and company. And be more entertaining than the last movie we talked about, which clearly oh, yeah. had more money than To Catch a Yeti did. Like, they had PJ Souls money. Yeah, PJ Souls and Mark McCoy money. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and uh, car stunt uh, money, like, you know, versus this movie had nothing. And it's nothing. like, it's, and it, like I said, I think the biggest saving grace of the movie is like you, you throw the, all that context, which thank you for doing all that research. You throw all that context and it's like it's got a charming quality to it. And then the movie is just like unhinged, like from the word like go is I think makes it enjoyable. I think maybe maybe we I don't think we've even said what this movie's about. No, <laughs> yeah, we should say I can get the synopsis real quick and then we'll, we'll touch on a couple things. I think specifically with one of the characters everything regarding this character is bonkers as shit. And I was like yes. laughing my ass off, but anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll just really quickly get into the synopsis. Uh, so while hiking in the Himalayas, a Yeti fleeing a pair of hunters hides in the backpack of Dave to escape. After arriving home, 
The Yeti is quickly, almost too quickly, accepted by Dave's family and befriends his daughter, Amy. However, unknown to them, the hunters Grizzly and Blubber are closing in, determined to catch the Yeti for a wealthy snot-nosed brat looking for a new rare pet to torture. Um, and that's basically it. And like I said when we were talking in the last movie, the, we see the Yeti on screen is discovered by Grizzly and Blubber, who are the two hunters. Grizzly would be... Um, uh, meatloaf in this situation uh his companion blubber who's acting in his first movie was rick howland who was like a known face in uh canada at the time um but they crest a hill and they go yep there's a yeti and we should point out it is not what you would picture a yeti as it's not it's not the patterson gimlin tall broad-shouldered narrow head uh like uh, grizzly bear and its hind legs type of thing like you sort of said it's got gizmo features where its eyes are huge it's got a big wide mouth and it's got long gray hair and it's short and squat with a rat's tail like a long three foot long rat's tail coming out of it <laughs> it looks like a rejected animatronic from Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> yes like it, yeah, it really really does it looks like it should be playing in the band and whoever the CEO of Chuck E. Cheese was like no, no, nope. <laughs> no, no, get that out of here. <laughs> this one's trash. Throw, throw it out. <laughs> um, yes, it doesn't look like what you would expect, and, and it, it, it's it's really ugly. <laughs> I mean, like, there's, there's, I don't have a better word to put it. It's, it's 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 nightmare fuel. It's really nightmare fuel. And then they they bring him home, and like you said, quickly accept it. They're just like, oh, he's so adorable. And it's like, no, he's not. He's terrifying. No, he's not. <laughs> like, nobody wants well this. they didn't know like he, he brought it home in the backpack and then he goes to shower and she, uh his daughter amy leaves him like a piece of pie on his bed and then because like prompted by the pie uh the the yeti which they name hank um yes. i don't know why i don't know if there's a reasoning behind it but they end up naming him hank hank comes out of the bag and to eat the pie the little girl sees it screams everyone runs in and it's just standing in the open behind a chair with its huge white eyes and going, making it sounds. You're smiling at me. Yeah. And they just like, oh, wow. Well, well, look at that little guy. Instead of like understandably freaking the fuck out and being like, what is this creature that's in my home? And like attacking it or doing anything. Nobody panics. They're just like, oh, it, cool, whatever the hell that thing is. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, you want to, like, come downstairs and, we'll, like, feed you ice cream and hang out with you? <laughs> Everyone is just so nonplussed by this otherworldly creature. And it's weird because there's just a bunch of filler shot at the house mm -hmm. of him just doing, like, pratfalls type stuff, which makes it very evident. And by this 13-day shooting schedule and no money thing makes total sense. And it's like they had about three interior locations for this mm -hmm. movie um you know they shot outside a good amount of it but it's like they had this house they had the house of the rich spoiled brat and his family and then they had their like log cabin uh in the like yep. weird fucked up home alone situation in the woods the hostage movie that it becomes yeah. in the last leg of the film which is insane um but they just they try to get the most they can from this and we find out I think, like, you already put it in the synopsis, but at this point in the movie, we're not certain yet that, like, why uh, uh, Meatloaf and the other guy were tracking 
this yeti and then we come to find out that this bratty like rich kid and his family psychopath yeah they, we'll get into that <laughs> he wants this yeti like as a you know just as a prized thing to have and then ultimately torture and so they paid meatloaf who's this like expert tracker a bunch of money to to get him and so they eventually do come to the house they get him and <laughs> comes to the funniest scene in the movie where they bring the yeti to spoiled kid and his parents and the kid like you know right i mean i don't agree with his uh uh mannerisms and way he went about it because he's a little shit about it but i do agree with him being like well, this isn't a yeti like like right. you know like that's not what you envisioned a yeti would be and he's like well kid i'm telling you that's a yeti and then he starts lipping off and meatloaf says if you lip off one more time He's like, you're going to regret it. And so he lips off one more time and he picks the kid up and he throws him across the room into a chair. And during that throw, he turns into a bad dummy. <laughs> really bad dummy. <laughs> and then lands in that chair. And it's, uh, I I was crying. I was laughing so hard. Oh, dude. The bad dummy shot will get me every time. And it's it's just so, it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a sketch yeah. out of like a sketch comedy thing. Like it, it's so perfect. But then it just gets so weirder from that point. Cause like, so then the, 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 we see that the, the shitty kid is, is definitely, you know, shooting with his Nerf gun and like doing, do it mm-hmm. like really, really mean to the Yeti. And then, uh, the family is like, okay, Dave and his family are like, well, we got to go save Hank, even though they just met Hank like yesterday. And so they go to New York and they go like uh, pretending under the guise of being a, a lawyer, I believe. Mm-hmm. He has his like, the the dad is giving this monologue like his, it's like his uh, Michael Keaton is Bruce Wayne like monologue when he <laughs> yeah. like realizes the jo- who the Joker is. Like, you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. And he's putting on like a Long Island <laughs> accent or trying yeah. and it's it's not great. Uh, I was also going to say, not only do we see that bratty kid shooting the Yeti with his Nerf gun, we see him kill a maid. Yes, we do. We do see that. In like like an aside. So like, there's a point where the parents leave Amy home alone with the Yeti. And then um, Meatloaf finds her. He breaks into the home in kind of a scary scene, to be honest. And he takes the Yeti back and him and Blubber leave. So they call uh, their cop friend. Their cop friend shows up to take their statement. He has a very funny line where um, the the mom is like, well, can't you call someone? And he says, uh, can you put out an alert? An alert for a stolen Yeti? <laughs> the guys at headquarters would kill themselves. <laughs> Which is like... <laughs> what Everyone at headquarters is like horribly depressed. <laughs> That's just like... <laughs> what kind of... Thing. what is happening there I... <laughs> not, not like they not like they would just they would like laugh me out of the office or not like they would you know lose their minds they would kill themselves uh which i'm just very worried about the mental health of everybody that's at that headquarters uh they've seen some shit but the the daughter then yells at them like why aren't we gonna go get hank yada 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 she runs upstairs into her room and we see her open her window then we cut to the rich kid's house in upstate New York. I think it's Syracuse is where they go. Yes. And the and the, there's like a maid who's like uh, vacuuming the living room and then her uh, vacuum shuts down. And then she goes down to like see what's going on and we cut to the, the bratty kid in the hallway who looks at the camera and 
has has he's, he's like a Bugs Bunny sketch. He looks yeah. at the camera <laughs> and has has a line about like well. Uh, uh, today's not Tuesday and he pulls he pulls the uh, lever down on the breaker and turns the power back on and we just get a shot of the woman's shadow being cast on the wall and her screaming as like electricity is coursing through her veins what's right tonight and there's a throwaway line from his parents where they're like that's the fifth maid that we've lost in three months and they go through and list like two of them were electrocuted. One of them was attacked by piranhas in, in a bathtub. Another one has a concussion. And I can't remember what happened to the fifth one. But like this kid is straight up a serial killer. And the, it, it's just a, a thing that's introduced as like the antagonist of the movie. But the reason I walked us through the little girl going upstairs is because we then cut back to her getting onto a Greyhound bus. And when she gets on the Greyhound bus, we cut back to the living room where the parents are still sitting on the couch with that cop. And the cop gets off the phone and goes, yeah, you know, she was seen getting on a Greyhound bus uh, that's headed towards Syracuse. And it's like, how long have you been hanging out at their house, taking their statement about the, like, you didn't realize that your daughter had left, walked downtown, got a Greyhound bus ticket by herself, got on the, the bus to New York. You were able to call around to find out exactly which bus she got on based on the description from a bus driver who had to have, like, driven to New York, gotten off the bus, and gotten a call from it. Like, logistically, that guy's, like, at their house for four hours for her to make the trek to Syracuse and then them go, oh, shit, our daughter's gone. Oh, no. (laughs) It's insane. It's just shit like that where it's like, well, we need to get her to this location but we don't know how to do it in a smart way. But we also have to shoot this this movie in thirteen days, and yeah. we have forty dollars. So fuck it. It's just, just go. it's just, just how go. it is, and it's okay. We'll just get them from place yeah. to place. Um, so they they get to Syracuse, and doing the like I said, Dad's doing the long monologue bit. They go to get the Yeti from the the shitty kid, uh, like at, like confront, and he's like, "Who who are you?" And then Amy just decks him right in the face, <laughs> point blank, <laughs> and takes Hank and bolts Hell it out yeah. of there. It's oh, it's so good. That that whole stretch was like the hardest I had laughed in the movie from the time that uh oh, yeah. kid becomes bad dummy shot and then he gets decked in the face. And so they get Hank and then they were like, Well, we're on the run and like they're like it's like strangers on a train where like they're like using payphones <laughs> and they're like being discreet about like <laughs> their location and like uh like or maybe not strangers on a train, but like I like there's like a Cold War paranoia thriller like <laughs> to this movie. Like the conversation or something. And but like it's this kids movie. <laughs> they're just like uh yeah so uh tip tip here that uh that they're yeah. they're they're headed your way okay well we got to go to our uh, remote cabin somewhere uh so we're gonna go um you know you're gonna go under this alias and you're gonna go at this time and you're gonna hide the the yeti in the, this trunk and like you're gonna lose him in the train station and it's so so bizarre like the the, the tone this there's no tone there's no tone no. it's just it's just free for all <laughs> Well, and that's the, it's funny because like, I mean, we're, we're currently ourselves talking about like building a story. And so it's really funny when you get together and you sort of piece out 
scenes or you storyboard something and you're like okay and it, all story all stories start as an and then of yes. characters are here and then this and then this happens and then this happens and the 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 goal of a writer is to fill in those and thens so that it doesn't feel like that. Like it feels like you're progressing in a story in a naturalistic way that that characters are motivated or you know, the things that we're seeing and being told have motivations behind them and we're watching a story unravel and unfold. So when the characters at this point, like you said, they leave the house and uh, they call and they put in a thing to a radio station saying that there's a, a $10,000 reward. And then some people on the radio hear there's a reward. And then a group of people are chasing the little girl. And then she gets into a freezer truck to hide from the, the group of people. And then the truck drives away. And then the Yeti screams to stop the oh truck God. so they can Forgot get Forgot about the freezer and then truck. They to, like, they, they're literally just like beat and beat and beat and beat. But like we're not stopping for any dialogue. We're not stopping for any character motivation or, or building any of the world whatsoever. We're just having things happen yes it, it, it which i mean is its own sort of like experimental style of making a movie which i mean give given again given the time constraint and the budget it's just like we're just like we're just making it up as the and the yep. rewriting that they rewrote it yes. like entirely like they're just making it up at this point the fact that they even thought to think of things even if they were nonsensical to bridge you from place to place is saying something at this point um, yeah, apparently the original writer uh, was uh, Paul Adam, and originally there was like a, a really deep uh, message about like you know, environmentalism and protecting nature and protecting endangered animals. None of that, no, is in Takeshi. No, nothing. It's it's a chase movie, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like they sort of just they. I mean, that's pretty much what they kind of had to do, right? It's like they boiled it down to its like essentials. Um, and mm-hmm. then they just decided to make it a chase movie and then, you know, and then like, you know, we'll get to the finale here in a bit. They're like, oh, what else is popular? Well, Home Alone made a lot of money. So yep. why don't we set a bunch of traps and have people like storm the house? But they get to their log cabin and then uh, Blubber and Meatloaf and then the kid who's the kid is inexplicably dressed like Stalin. Like it's <laughs> so <laughs> strange. <laughs> <laughs> that brat kid has a weird ass wardrobe because in the earlier scene he's dressed as a 1920s gangster yes with a fedora and and he's got the suspenders on and shit like yeah but you're right in this scene he's like gorbachev <laughs> yeah he's like so just just embracing the full like dictator uh like like uh persona of, of his personality you know boss and uh meatloaf and and blubber around and then it, it he he has a similar arc in this scene where he mouths off one too many times and meatloaf warns him about it and he does it and so he he throws him out the window he rolls the window down throws him out of the car into a snowbank like head bad facing dummy down, shot again bad dummy shot again head into the snow feet sticking out and then they track bat like then they start proceeding to to go yeah. get it, it's it's uh it's insane and and the fact no yeah and the fact i mean the, and that's also not even the finale because they no. go from the cabin to the airport <laughs> well they go to the cabin in the airport oh god you're right because so they go to the cabin and we didn't even set up the fact that they go to the cabin and that they uh um <laughs> they go to the cabin and like they they tie up the parents like uh yeah. amy and and uh, uh hank has have escaped but they literally tie the parents up and they're like 
uh, like they threatening them that if they, you know, it's a call to them to, to come in and they, they, they set a trap and they're able to sort of detour them. And then they, like you said, they drive to the airport and <laughs> this is ridiculous in this. <laughs> they, were, they get caught by TSA and yep. uh, 1995's TSA. I was going to say 1995's TSA. So this is a pre 9-11 movie. So TSA oh, is yeah. not as, as stringent as they were now. And they're also apparently fucking loaded because there's a guy there with like a Mac 10 yeah. pointing at the back of a dude's head. <laughs> It's ridiculous. I, 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 and then they go home happily ever after. Well, no, so they go home happily ever after. But then, lastly, this is the best. This is the best uh, cherry on top. Is they cut to the the parents of the shitty kid because we didn't. I guess we didn't set up is when the shitty kid decides to go with Meatloaf and his partner. That uh, he says the parents are like. Oh, we're free of him. We could go on a vacation. And then at the end, we see them. They clearly went on a vacation. They're in a hot tub. And they're like, oh, whatever happened to our son? And they're like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> like, they're they're so happy just, like, considering that their dead is, like, like their kid is dead in a snowbank. Because, well, he got left out there by meatloaf. They Unless just a trucker came by to, like, pick him up or something. Like, you know, which... I feel like he would just mouth. Yeah, the off. trucker could have killed him. So who knows? Well, I was to say that he would have just mouthed off and been thrown out the window again by somebody. So right. it doesn't really matter. Uh, it's 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 insane. I I could not believe that they decided to end the movie like that. <laughs> With the parents being like, "Yeah, fuck that kid." Yeah, the, <laughs> clink like, clink. Yes. All right, roll, right. roll credits. Fuck that kid. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He was terrible. He's terrible. But um, but yeah, it's it's a like you know like. This movie is, I still don't think I would recommend it to like anybody to watch, but it's certainly more bonkers and charming than something like Little Bigfoot. If somebody, if for yeah. whatever reason somebody said, my only two options, I've rented an Airbnb with no no streaming, no Roku, and the only movies they have on the shelf, and they have a VHS player for some reason, and the only two movies they have are Little Bigfoot and To Catch a Yeti, I would, well, I'd say To Catch a Yeti, for sure. Right. Easy. <laughs> well, and I mean, like, this might be a, a fun one to watch. Like, I could see this watching with, like, our corn screen. Well, we group, did. Maybe. You just weren't there on that one. You watched oh, okay. The, well, you then... watched this separately, because uh, you had to do something that night. We, But for the Scarecrow Challenge, because it landed on Saturday, we watched uh, it at corn screen, so... I probably admittedly had a bit more fun because we were watching it as a group and were able to be like, okay, this is insane what we're witnessing here. So Yeah, and and I can admit when, when I was uh, a bit too harsh at first uh, on, you know, to, to catch a Yeti, I really did not enjoy it my first time around. Uh, but then the second time around, after adding that context, I, you know, I still didn't like it. Like, it's not a good movie, but it's, I now can see a lot of charm in it right where before i was very disappointed in it now i'm like it's honestly impressive that the movie even exists at all considering what it had to overcome to, to become a movie for sure i think it's a valid point to to valid point to end on for sure um do you have any other thoughts on these three movies or should we should we wrap it up uh, we can wrap it up. I would just say thank you for indulging me in yet another cryptid episode. There will be more coming. Uh, there are a lot of cryptids, and so I will just continue to make these little categories. Sounds good. Well, I, I'll, I'm along for the ride because I, I enjoy doing this. So, <laughs> I mean, if you can watch shot on video movies, then I can watch a couple weird cryptid <laughs> movies here and there. So, um, 
But next week, it is my pick, and I was sort of scrolling through our spreadsheet as you went on a long uh, tirade there in the midsection of our last movie, because I'm like, (laughs) oh shit, I didn't pick a a category uh, before we hopped on Mike. So I think we're going to go with some movies about Stockholm Syndrome. Um, Some thrillers about Stockholm Syndrome. But uh, that's what I'm leaning towards, but I just have to double check and make sure that uh, a couple of the movies are actually... (laughs) Uh, accessible for us to watch um so that's what i'm planning on but who knows maybe we'll make a hail mary and you'll get something different next week but yeah maybe we'll cut all this out of the episode and we'll do whatever the hell we want next week. absolutely but in the meantime you can find all of our episodes on our website at thegoodbadwhat.com you can subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher iHeartRadio, anchor.fm google Podcasts, and many others you can follow us on twitter and instagram at the good bad what you can email us at the good the bad the what at gmail.com if you're feeling generous and want to support the show, we have a donations tab on our website, and all donations will go back into the show, whether that's to offset the cost of running movies we discuss or upgrading our equipment. Our logo comes from Michelle Parkos, and our theme music comes from Paco, whose portfolio and SoundCloud link you can find in the show notes, respectively. Chris, where can more people find you online? Yeah, you can find me online uh, on Twitter at THOChristo89 or on Letterboxd at C underscore THOM. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at RyOlly, that's R-Y-O-L-I-E, or on Letterboxd at Ryan underscore Oliver. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with thrillers about Stockholm Syndrome. I'm fucking scared, man. Man, I got attention. I'm gonna die. Don't be sad, Bobo. We're gonna take good care of you. You don't have to take me and just drive me up to the front. Just drop me on the sidewalk. 